Sorry about that. Good morning, everyone. Today we'll be reading from Galatians 4, 8 through 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make, may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just want to ask you this morning just for an uncommon sense of your your presence. Lord, I want to ask you for just the ability uh, to, to hear you in a way that maybe we haven't heard you before. And we're, we're so grateful for more than just the, the things that you've given us, the house, the, the car, the family. God, we're, we're thankful for life itself that you've brought us to out of death. So, Lord, I pray that your scripture would resonate with our hearts this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm so glad that you're with us here uh, this morning. I have been um, out, of, uh, out with my family, and I'm trying to fix my cup holder. That I didn't realize that was going to bother me, but it's going to bother me the whole time. That's going to bother you because I'm bothered. And uh, there we go. Perfect. Okay. <sighs> I just had very short attention span. Um, anyway, yeah, so I've been, I've been out for uh, a few weeks. I've been at Silverton and then also was out, out on vacation with my family. Got to hang out with uh, um, a church planner buddy of mine um, and, uh, and then with a, a bunch of uh, staff folks as well uh, camping. And so that was a, a really great life-giving time for me. And so we are, uh, I, I'm glad to be back with you. I'm glad to be here uh, with you. Just a, a report to you on uh, what's going on um, at our new church plant, our new church location, which is in Silverton, way out in the sticks. And not that all of Silverton is in the sticks, but outside of Silverton in the sticks, uh, there is a new church, and that is Outward Church. We meet in a barn and uh, so there, we're averaging about 200 people out there still. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, people are coming to faith. Um, there are great things taking place um, at uh, Outward Silverton. And so just excited about that. And so something that you can be praying for right now is just that the Lord would provide us with a building. Um, we are in a barn that's going to be uh, uh, used by its owner uh, beginning in October, I believe. And so we're trying to find a space before October uh, to be able to um, uh, meet in. And so right now this barn is really stinking cool. We're really hoping to find something in a rural area or some type of not unconventional space. Obviously, we meet in an old lumber yard here. Um, and so we love unconventional spaces like that in a barn and uh, whatever else. And so we're, we're looking forward to the Lord providing that. So you can be in prayer for that and uh, just that the Lord would provide in, in that regard. Uh, we've been in the book of Galatians, and Galatians is a fantastic book 
to help us understand that God is not calling you to legalism. When God calls you to himself, he's not calling you to obey all the rules. He's not calling you uh, to become a really good person. He's not calling you uh, to straighten up your life. That's not what God is calling you to. And in fact, if you come to God with all of those understandings or that understanding of, I just want to be a good person, and if I'm a good person, then God will accept me, you're actually missing the point. And Paul is going to say to these people, you cannot trade one type of false worship. You cannot trade one type of disordered worship for another type of disordered worship. There's a ditch on both sides of the road that you can go into. You can go into the ditch in a very obvious way. Uh, by being very bad, by doing all the things that Scripture commands you not to do um, in uh, the Old Testament especially and, and even in the New Testament, uh, you can, you can uh, go live your life that way. You, you can do that, and that's a very obvious way, and, and you can find yourself uh, literally in the ditch eventually if you continue to go to that direction, but you can also find yourself in a ditch by saying, okay, I'm going to go from this life which is like, I do whatever I want, I do whatever I feel and at this point, and then now I'm going to change it to, I am going to do uh, all, all of God's rules. I'm going to follow them. I'm going to be right with God. And you can be just as much in that ditch. And so the Apostle Paul this morning in this passage is really communicating to us this idea that there is a disordered worship. And then there's an ordered worship. There's disordered worship, and then there's ordered worship. And so what, what does that mean? What does that look like uh, to us? He starts off by saying to these people in Galatia, in verse 8, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those things that by nature are not God's. The Apostle Paul is saying, to a group of people who have been uh, just a part of culture. They've been a part of their culture where there were multiple literal, uh, uh, well, they're literal false gods, but they were, they were worshiping the, the, the sun god, the fertility god, the god of this, the god of that. They were actually worshiping these gods. And the apostle Paul tells them, he says, when you did not know God, you were enslaved. What the scriptures tell us is this, is that to worship anything but the true and the living God, to worship anything but this God which created you is slavery. It enslaves you. It causes you to become enslaved because now that you have given all of your attention, now that you have given all of your attention and your uh, affections to uh, this thing or this way of life or whatever, what happens is this, is that there's no other way that it could happen, but that it would enslave you, that it would cause you to be bound by this ideology, that it would cause you to be bound by this thing that you've been driving after and working for and working toward. So many people that I know uh, have uh, gone to religion, whether it's uh, Christianity or Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or, uh, or, and really any religion in the world, they have gone to these religions to say, I want my life to be better and I just need order. All that that has done is it has traded a disordered worship for another disordered worship. So the Apostle Paul is saying this, he's saying, uh, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those things that by nature are not God's. You're worshiping something through the attention and everything that you give it. And it eventually gets into your life and it causes you to become a prisoner of your desires. I remember when I was, when I was uh, oh, much younger, um, in my early 20s, and even in, into my later 20s, I had, I had bought a, a, uh, a 1992 Chevy pickup. It was a, it was a Chevy pickup, it had a six inch lift on it. It was uh, really killer in the mud. Um, I loved it, I still love it, it's still in my driveway. Um, it runs, all right, all right, I'm not that white trash, but um, I probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, that's uh, whatever. We'll nix that from the podcast, but. Um, in any case, uh, I, so I had this pickup, 
And as it got older, I just remember uh, just seeing a lot of my friends who had come to a point where they, uh, where they were like, you know, I want a new pickup. And so they'd go and buy, they'd buy these pickups. And as you know, uh, you know, brand new pickups are so expensive. It's just like so stinking expensive. And I just remember being at that time, like I wanted to go into ministry. I wanted to uh, serve the Lord. And it's not that you can't serve the Lord if you buy a pickup, but you can't uh, be employed by a church oftentimes uh, owning a brand new pickup because, especially when you're starting out, because you have such a giant payment to make. And so I had thought to myself, like, I do not want to get to this point where I feel like I have to buy a new pickup. And so I focused on what I already had. And I remember thinking that, like, I'm not going to drive by the dealership and just look at a, a brand new Chevy. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and oogle over this or over that. I am going to stay focused on this one thing that I, that I have. And I am going to concentrate on the fact that I am so thankful for what I get. And what happened was this, is that I didn't end up going into buying a brand new pickup at that time. And it's because my attention was on something that I already had. Now, here's what takes place in our world today, is that our world has this ideology that says that you must focus on the things that you want, you must focus on the things that you want to get, and if you focus on that, and if you work really hard, you will get that thing. Every graduation commencement speech tells you about this principle which the Apostle Paul is going to talk about in just a second. He says this, uh, about halfway through verse 9, he says, How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? How can you turn back to these elementary principles, these principles of the way that our world works? The way our world works is based on elementary principles which say this. Which, if you want it, you should go after it. Just work hard and you will get that thing and you should just drive and you should strive and you should go after, put your affections on it, put your attention on it, and everything will be fantastic. The only problem with that is this, is that you become a slave of the thing that you are after. You become a slave of the very thing that you've been desiring. In fact, there's uh, some, uh, a great quote by a guy by the name of um, David Foster Wallace, which I've used many times, so if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard me say this. David Foster Wallace, not a Christian, uh, but he gave this speech um, at, to the 2005 graduating class at Kenyon College, and Tim Keller kind of edit, edited this, but it says, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid. And you will need, uh, need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is they're unconscious. They are default settings. I believe what he is talking about there, what David Foster Wallace is talking about, is this, is that there are basic principles that our world is governed by. There are basic principles that our world is governed by, and most commencement addresses say, if you love something, go after it. And basically what they're saying is they're saying, you should worship that thing. You should worship it. The Apostle Paul is saying to these people, like before you became someone who knows God, before you knew him, this is what your life was like. You were operating on the basic principle of life, which is this, 
Find a focus, find a thing that you really love and that you really desire, and then go after that with all of your might. And what happens is what we see in our lives today. It's what we see in, in culture today. It's culture is down this road so far of going after the thing that you want, no matter what it is, just go after it. And it, if it makes you happy, then that's great. The thing about it, though, according to David Foster Wallace and according to scripture as well, by the way, they agree on that point, is that it's worship of a false God. It's worship of a God that will tear you apart. Limb from limb, it will tear you apart. The Apostle Paul says, hey, I taught you guys. I, I taught you what was right. And you are veering away from that. You are getting away from this. Tim Keller says in his book, he says, the elementary principle or the basic principle of the world is that we need to save ourselves. The Apostle Paul is, is saying this. He's saying, you went from trying to save yourself to then receiving Jesus Christ and saying, you're the only one that can save me, to now you're back to, I just want to save myself. Paul's saying, you're just going back to it. You're just going back into this thing and back into this thing. He says in verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. What's he mean by that? He says, you're so legalistic. You've gotten into the Old Testament laws and you've gotten into all of these different things that, the old that God demanded of his people during that time and you have decided, okay, the way to make God happy is that I should follow all of these rules to the T and he's saying that's what you're doing. You, you believe that somehow you can get to your source of happiness. You can get to worthiness by following these rules. And he says this, you're following the same principle that governs the most heinous sinner that you can think of in culture today. You're following the same system of governance. You're following the same way of disordered worship that everybody else out there is following. So this is where the church gets it wrong so many times. We're trading one type of idolatry with another kind of idolatry. We're, and, and the Apostle Paul, is, is, he's equating their former idolatry with their present legalism. He's saying, you, were, you used to be this idolater that worshiped these false gods, and now you're an idolater that's worshiping a false god. You're going after it, and you're going after it, and you're going after it. So the answer is not to now turn to the basic principle of life, which is go after whatever makes you happy. And the problem in the church today is that what is what is traded to people is just another form of idolatry. In many, maybe most churches today, what's traded is this. It's just another form of idolatry for what you've laid down in order to pick up Christ. And it alienates us from God because we've taken our attention off of this thing and that thing and, and all of this and we've placed our attention on just a list of rules, a list of things that we do and don't do. That is called a false gospel. That is called uh, a way of destruction. That is called something that has nothing to do with the scriptures. So the Apostle Paul is saying, you're turning back, you're living for these elementary principles, and basically, you're putting your hope into a new false god. So then, he says this, I'm, I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Like you, you, missed, you missed the point completely of the gospel. You missed the point of what Jesus has for you. And now he's gonna go into another phase, which is a, a disordered worship as a people group. He's talking about them personally, and now he's saying as a people group, as this church. He says this, 
brothers, I entreat you. He's coming to them and he's not over top of them, slamming them. He's saying, brothers, man, I love you guys. I, I want you with me. I want you to be a part of this thing with me. Brothers, I'm inviting you in. I entreat you. I'm, I'm longing for you to understand what's going on here. I'm longing for you to see it. He says, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. He says a couple things there. I, I want you to take on the life that I'm living in Christ. He's not saying, I want you to replicate who I am and dress like me and, and all of that stuff. He's saying, I, I, I want you to look at my way of life, to consider the way that I'm living, and I want you to see it for what it is. I want you to understand that. Why? Because of this. Because when I came to you, I also became as you are. The Apostle Paul says in another place, to the Jews I became like a, a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those uh, without the law I came as one without the law in order to win those without the law. The Apostle Paul is saying, when there's somebody who's a minister of the gospel, they're not coming in and saying, this is exactly what you need to look like. You need to be buttoned up, you need to have a tie on, you need to have a suit jacket, you need to have all of that stuff in place in order for you to come to Jesus. He's not saying that, he's saying, I came to you and I took on your customs. I came to you and I laid down all of my preconceived notions. I came to you and I desired to be like you in every way that was moral, that was, that was not against scripture. So let's talk about that for a second. He is comparing himself with the leaders, these Judaizers, these legalistic people that have been trying to teach the church in Galatia, they've been trying to teach people that they have to follow all the rules. They, you need to start following all the rules and then you'll be acceptable. And Paul says, I came in with a different mentality. I came in and I became as you are so that you could see, so that you could investigate my life, that you could understand what I'm doing here. True ministers of the gospel can minister to people who are nothing like them because they're not worshiping through the elementary principles of this world they worship this God and whatever this world is doesn't matter to them. All that matters to them is that the people that they're ministering to would see Jesus. So everything that doesn't matter, you know, I, you know, I wear a different size toga or whatever type of sandals they're wearing. He's, you know, they're wearing Tevas and he's, and, and so he stuffs wearing Chacos and now he's wearing Tevas. I don't know what they'd be wearing. <laughs> I, apparently like Tevas are not cool anymore. Does, has anybody heard that? Somebody told me that recently. I have Tevas, so uh, whatever. Uh, if you don't know what that is, who cares? But uh, this means that the most ardent Trump supporter going there, can minister to the most ardent Bernie Sanders supporter. This means that when you have properly ordered worship, that God is at the helm, that the person who is so anti-vaccine may even take the vaccine in order to win people to Jesus. Amen. I'm not making a moral rule there, by the way. I'm sure I just ticked off half of you. But. <laughs> it, it might mean that we would say, I am going to become like these people that in my mind, according to the elementary principles of the world, are... They are so far left of me, or they are so far right of me. They are so against science, and I can't stand it, and I'm all about science, 
but I serve Jesus. The Apostle Paul is saying, become as I am because I became as you are. Don't you see all the things that I laid down? The Apostle Paul was, was an ardent, I'm using that word a lot, I don't know why this morning, uh, but he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy was so right wing, it wasn't even funny. He lays it all down and he says, you know what, here I am, I'm in Galatia, I'm with a bunch of Greeks, I'm with a bunch of people that are you know, living licentiously, whatever, and I am going to, in every way possible, become like them. There was somebody else who did this. There was somebody else who did this, the model of which the Apostle Paul is following. That might be Jesus, right? I entreat you to become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. I mean, when I came to you, you didn't do anything wrong to me. And then he goes into this in verse 13. He says, you know, it's because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Apparently, Paul was not on his way to Galatia, but he got sick. He may have had an eye issue, and his eyes were going bad, and so I have no idea, some type of eye sickness. Uh, and so he had to stop in Galatia. So he ends up in Galatia, and he says, you know the reason why I ended up with you guys at first was because I got sick, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but receive me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. He's saying, I, I came to you. You didn't do anything wrong to me. Not only that, like I got to preach the gospel to you, and you just took care of me. Like We were on such great terms. You loved me. You didn't get tired of my ailment, like apparently he was there a while ago. He says, you took care of me. You did this to me, and, and, and that's amazing. He says, what then has become of your blessedness? What happened to the joy that you had in serving me? What happened to you feeling like I was a sent one of God, an angel? What happened to you receiving me as, as you received Jesus Christ? Not that Paul became Jesus Christ, but what happened to that? What took place? He says, for, that, for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. That's part of the reason why we think maybe he had an eye issue. We're like, hey, I'll take mine out and give them to you. It's a descriptive term there, but uh, verse 8, uh, is that 18. Nope, it's 16. Might be time for glasses up here. Would you take me more seriously if I wore reading glasses? I mean, I could do things like this, like take them off and just be like, let me make a point. Like, do, you think, do you think that'd be better? I see some head nods. All right. You're not a Christian. All right. Uh, okay. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? I didn't just tell you the truth. That was a lie. But the Apostle Paul says, what happened in this situation? Like, you gave so much to me. I gave you the gospel. There's this mutual love going on, on here. And am I your enemy now that I'm telling you the truth? Here's the thing about disordered worship and ministers of disordered worship. They will always tell you what you want to hear. When you have a minister, and all of us are susceptible to this, that's why I have a group of elders around me that can fire me. Because if I begin to tell you just what you want to hear, then I need to be fired. But what has to happen is this, is that we have to tell the truth no matter how unpopular it is. Paul says, I have become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Is that what's going on? Like, that's, that's what took place here? He says, they make much of you. Who's he talking about? Who's they? They are these other teachers. There are these teachers who are saying, you should follow all of the rules in the Old Testament. And that's how to get with God. It's Jesus plus all of the rules. If you, if you do that, then everything will be great. He's saying, they make much of you but for no good purpose. What does make much of you mean? I think it means this. 
They're glorifying you. They're honoring you. They're lifting you up. What are they using? The elementary principles of the world. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Look at what he says. They want to shut you out. That's confusing in the ESV. The ESV is more accurate. The ESV translation of the Bible is more accurate, but sometimes it's not as helpful uh, immediately as you're reading it. The NIV says they want to alienate you from us and Christ. What they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to build you up and tell you what you want to hear because they want to alienate you from the true teachers of the law and, or uh, of the gospel, I should say. They want to alienate you from, from us and they want to alienate you from Christ. They want to shut you out. That's what's taking place actually. He says, they want to shut you out that you may make much of them. And here's a huge problem, is that when disordered worship gets into the church and you have disordered ministers, uh, disordered worship in the ministers themselves, in the pastors, in the elders, in the, in the staff, in the, the, the church body, when that takes place, now it's this whole thing where I tell you what you want to hear so that you will say, oh, that's awesome, Matt. That's great. What Paul is saying is he's saying these outside teachers have come in and they've said, oh, you're awesome. You're good. Look at you. You're keeping all the rules. You're doing an amazing job. That's fantastic. And, and you are awesome. You're, you're, you're an incredible Christian. And they're doing it so that they feel like there's something. See, what's happening there is that we can try to earn our salvation through money, sex, power, um, achievement, position, um, authority, um, you know, beauty. We can try to earn our salvation through that, but we can also try to earn our salvation through ministry. It's also another thing that can happen. You can try to earn your salvation through doing very bad things, but you can also try to earn your salvation through doing very good things. And this is where the church has gone wrong so many times. For years now, I've heard people say to me, like, man, Matt, uh, why don't you say it like it really is? Or tell us how you really feel. And I'm always confused because I'm like, I just did. I don't know why you keep saying that. Like, I just told you how I really feel. I, it's probably a little bit of a problem that I don't necessarily always care what people think. But I think it's served me well in this. And that is, it's a tough time to be a pastor right now. It's a tough time to be a Christian right now. It's a tough time to be somebody who looks at the scriptures and says, this is true. And the reason why it's a tough time is because the people who are being elevated, the people who are being glorified, the people who are being honored in our culture are the people who are sacrificing on everything else, especially on gender and sexuality. Those are the people who are being elevated and And those of us who believe that what the scripture says is true, those of us that believe that sexuality is just another false God, and that to to act on any impulse that I have for my own happiness is really just disordered worship, those of us that believe that that really what we need is not just more freedom and sexuality, but what we need is actually freedom in Christ, Those of us that believe that are going to become less and less and less. And it will be tough. I know this isn't a very great visionary sermon. Like the church, the church is going to shrink and it's going to be really awful. See you next week. Right. That's 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 a great that's a great message. Right. But in a way, that's what we're seeing in culture. The Apostle Paul, he's talking to people who are legalistic. He's talking, he's talking to people who are saying, follow all the rules. And Paul's saying, you're just doing what everybody else does. You're just following the elementary principles of the world. And it is just so that you can worship each other. It's just so there, there can be this quid pro quo. Like I do for you, you do for me. 
Like, like we're, we're just going to make each other feel good. And the problem is, is that when the truth gets told, people get angry. People get upset. He says, it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I'm present with you. He's saying, it's, it's good to honor one another. It's good to honor each other in, in things. Um, not in the way that they are. He comes back and he says, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He says, I wish you could see my love for you. It is like I'm a woman who is in the process of birthing a child and I am in pains of labor. I have no idea what that's like. Ladies, you know what that's like, but that's what he described. Is that he loves these people so much that he's willing to tell them the truth. That he's willing to speak truth into their life lovingly. And let me just say this. No matter what church it is, whether it's our church or whether it's another church somewhere else, if you go somewhere else, I, I appeal to you to go to a church that is preaching the gospel and that loves you enough to tell you the truth about your own life. That loves you enough to say, brother, you're mistreating your wife. Sister, you're living in sin. This is, this is disordered worship. You're going after something else, something other than the true and the living God. Go to that kind of church. The Apostle Paul says, I am in anguish and I, I want Christ to be formed in you so badly. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying, I don't want me to be formed in you. I want Christ to be formed in your life. I want Christ to be, uh, to be in you and around you and on you and, uh, and about you. I want you to have Christ formed inside of you so that your life changes in a different way. And I think he gives us a clue as to how that is. When he says, back in verse nine, he says, he said in verse eight, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved. He says in verse nine, the beginning, we skipped this earlier, but now that you have come to know God. But now that you finally actually have a knowledge of God, it's not that you just know about God. See, the legalistic people know a bunch of stuff about God. They know about his rules, his regulations. They know, uh, they know all of the, uh, everything that they should be doing and what they should not be doing. They know about God, but they don't know God. Paul is saying, I, now that you have come to know God, that you have a relationship with me, Jesus says in John 14, 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is what, what Jesus is. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like, you can know God by looking at Jesus by seeing him, by having your affections stirred for God, by looking at the person, Jesus Christ. That's, that's how we come to a new place of ordered worship. Jesus redirects our focus from all of these things around us. He redirects our focus from all of the stuff that we think that we need to go after. Money, power, success, family, keeping all the rules, all of this stuff. And Jesus perfectly embodies who God is. And he can begin to stir your affections in a new way. See, if I was driving by the dealership every day just going, gosh, I like that one. 
Did you see the paint on that one? Do you see the options that that one comes with? Do you know what's happening? It's stirring my affections. It's stirring my affections. And eventually it's going to produce a baby that is going to be a new vehicle. Jesus stirs your affections for God. It can't just be knowing about God. It has to be knowing God. Do you want to know him? Know Jesus. Have you come to know God? I don't know what you came in here with. The elementary principles of the world are rife within us. They're a part of our, we are a part of this world. They are a part of us. But there is some area of worship in each of our lives which supersedes Jesus, especially before we come to Jesus. That affection, that worship is going to lead you to death and is keeping you in enslavement. You're enslaved by that affection. Knowing God is the cure to know him. He says this, or rather, and that word or rather could say this, but more importantly, to be known by God. Why does Paul say that? He had just said, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. You were enslaved to worshiping these false gods and you, you had to worship it. You had to give up everything in order to be the top at your job. You, you had to give up your spouse in order to make happiness your true God. And so you worshiped it and it enslaved you. And by nature, they are not gods. They are not real. They are not personal. Paul is saying this. Paul is saying, God is personal. He is a person, and you can know him. More importantly, or rather, God knows you. God knows you back. And in fact, you cannot know God without God not knowing you first. It's that he has to direct his incredible love and his incredible affection toward you in order to make your heart's heart soften so that you can come to a place of saying, I want to know this God more. See, our worship is not changed through saying, I've got to follow the rules, I've got to make sure I dial everything in, and I've, and I've just got to be a better person. No, worship of God begins with understanding he knows me. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He's my creator. Therefore, when he says that, uh, that when I worship something else, it's going to destroy me, when he communicates that to me, I have to believe him because he's my creator, because he knows me. Have you thought about that? That God knows you? That God, that God actually knows what's going on inside of your heart? See, on one hand, it's just like, it's, it's like somebody incredibly important. Some incredible celebrity who knows you. I've got, I, I know some people who are big wigs in some area, and a couple of times I've walked up to them to say hi again. I met them at a conference a while ago. They're a big deal. I'm kind of starstruck. I like them. They preach really good, that kind of thing. It's, it's weird. I know it's preacher stuff, but I, I, I come up and I say, hey, how's, how's it going? And I've heard this guy say, hey, Matt, good to see you. And it's like, dude, that guy knows me. He knows me. No, he just has a really good memory, which is also why he's a good preacher. Uh, so 
What was I saying? Um, just kidding. He knows me. The, like the coolest thing in the world is that the creator of the world knows you. And that's amazing. But it's also the scariest thing in the world. Because he knows me. He knows me. Stink, man. He knows my ins and outs. He knows my thoughts. He knows my heart. He knows so many times I don't really want to follow him. He knows, he knows me. Dang it, he knows me. But you know what's so cool about him? He doesn't just know about you. He knows you inside and out. He knows the good and the bad. He knows the hardships. He knows the suffering. He knows the incredible sin. He knows the little sins. He knows all of that. And he loves you. And he longs for you. Paul is just speaking what Jesus is saying to you. My little children, I am again in the anguish of childbirth. The Apostle Paul wasn't really having a child, but Jesus was really on the cross. And he knows you. He knew you at that moment. He knew you at that place. He knew every sin that he was dying for that moment, past, present, and future. He knows you. And Paul says elsewhere, 1 Corinthians 8, 3, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So here's, here's what I want to draw your attention to. The, the people in Galatia that were false teachers we're saying, if you do all the right things, God will love you. The Apostle Paul says, you don't have to do anything. Just look at the cross. It already says, he already, he already put a period on that sentence. He already said he loves you. You don't have to do anything. And I just want to invite you to direct your attention and your affections. And instead of driving by the dealership, drive by God. And just go, oh yeah. He knows me. Oh yeah. He loves me. Oh yeah, he knows that about me and he still went to the cross for me. And allow it to build your affections, to stir your affections for this God. If anyone loves me, he is known by God. And just allow it to just think, just tell yourself, it's true. There's nothing, I, I can't do anything about it. If something comes up in your mind that says, hey, listen, you were really sinful the other day. Like, you, you shouldn't have done it. No, see, that's a false gospel. Like, that, that can't keep me from God. Like, God went to the cross. He went to the cross. He already says that he loves me. He already said it. He knows me. He knew about that already. That's not news to him. It's news to me more than it is to him that I'm sinful. And he just loves me. Just keep driving by. Just keep driving by and have your affections stirred. Don't you see that if you don't look at God, you're not going to have your affections stirred for him. You're not going to have your affections stirred. Stir your affections for a relationship with Jesus that is of an incredible value that you could never repay. Know him and know that you are known fully and loved fully. Can we go to communion here? You, uh, have the ushers come forward.
go ahead and hop up and grab communion? Yeah, there you go. Jesus went to the cross for our disordered worship. And he has brought us to a place of ordered worship by showing us the goodness of God. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Would you just ask the Lord to redirect your heart to him? Do you know about God or do you know him? Have you ever contemplated the fact that he knows you? The good, the bad, the ugly, all of that. And yet he still went to the cross for you. Jesus is inviting you into relationship at a new level. Can we just ask the Lord to stir our affections for him? Jesus says, I gave my body so that you could see the magnitude of my love for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body. He says, I poured out my blood. I gave everything for you. Let's partake of the blood. Can we worship passionately this morning as we just allow that to resound in our hearts that he knows us and he draws us into true worship.